When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com, your daily morning podcast, updating you on everything you need to know to win your fantasy baseball league. Here's your host, Chad Young. Hello and welcome to the First Pitch Podcast. As the man said, my name is Chad Young. Let's dive into the news and notes on this Monday morning. Jordan Alvarez placed on the IL. He's had a hand issue and it is apparently getting worse, not better. Going to the IL now will let him rest through the All-Star break and hopefully that will be it. He is meeting with team doctors before a timeline is set, so we'll hopefully hear more soon. Jose Siri called up to take his spot. Series isn't a bad deep league source of speed, but he isn't much more than that, and he doesn't replace Alvarez at all. James McCann also headed to the IL, Patrick Mazaika up to replace him. McCann hasn't been hitting at all, so if you're rostering him and losing him to the IL, you can just drop him for whatever you find on the wire. Another catcher headed to the IL is Mitch Garver. He's on the 10-day IL, but that 10 days is really just a placeholder. Garver having season-ending surgery on his flexor tendon. He's droppable in all formats, including keeper leagues. The Cubs activated Drew Smiley from the IL, then spotted him a 5-0 lead against the Dodgers, and he gave almost all of it back. Smiley finished with four earned runs on five hits in two innings, strikeout and a walk. Smiley came into the game with a 3.8 ERA, but that didn't really accurately reflect how poorly he's pitched so far this season. While he's been great in the past, he hasn't been effective since 2020, and that's not really worth your attention for now. The Rays made a flurry of moves on Sunday. Kevin Kiermeyer, Jeffrey Springs, and Wander Franco all hit the IL. Kiermeyer's had some hip tightness, which impacted him earlier this year as well, and it's unclear how long he'll be away. Spring has been dealing with a calf issue on the same leg he had knee surgery on previously, so the team wants to be sure he is okay. Sounds like it might be a short IL stint, but not totally sure yet. And Franco, obviously the big one here, Wander Franco has a broken handmate bone, and that hand injury will keep him out six to eight weeks. That puts his return in late August or maybe early September. That is a big hit for both the Rays and fantasy managers. The big call-ups to replace them were Josh Fleming, who seems likely to start for Springs today against Boston, and Jonathan Aranda. Aranda's an exciting prospect, has been handling AAA just fine, but hasn't been given much of a shot in MLB. That may change now with Franco out, but Taylor Walls got the start at shortstop and hit third on Sunday, so we'll have to see how Aranda is used. He may be splitting time at second base. Starling Marte, who left Saturday's game for the Mets early, is not headed to the IL. He's considered day-to-day. With the All-Star break coming up so soon, you got to assume the Mets think he'll be ready to play today, maybe tomorrow. If you're going to be out even a couple of days, the IL would make more sense. The Angels sent Chase Silseth back to the minors. He's been up and down, and while his minor league performance has been good, he really struggled for the Angels. He'll likely be back in the majors before too long, but he doesn't have much fantasy value until he figures out how to translate his strikeouts from the minors to the majors. Bruce Zimmerman, who was just recalled from the minors Saturday and then pitched one inning in relief, was sent back to AAA. Zimmerman had a nice start to the year and got some chatter as a result, but it's always been smoke and mirrors, and the fall-off is not a huge surprise. Alex Fiedo and Daniel Lynch should both be back to their respective teams and should be going head-to-head today. Fiedo was recently sent down, but looks like he'll be back to pitch in the doubleheader. 
Well, Lynch will be facing off against him on his return from the IL. Neither's been good, but they both have pretty good matchups with each other in this one. So if you're really desperate for streamers on Monday, they're not terrible choices, although they're not very good ones. A couple players who were removed from game Sunday, Brian Reynolds removed from the Pirates game, and while there was some trade speculation, it was discomfort in his right side that got him pulled. That could be nothing, it could be an oblique, it could be something more, it's hard to say. Pirates are in Miami today, so we should know more soon. Whit Merrifield also removed from his game Sunday, which also sparked a bit of a hug watch, but it was also an injury, a toe injury for him. He'll be reevaluating before we know next steps. With a double header today, you'd think the Royals would act fast, whatever they need to do. Possibly related to Witt's injury, Michael Garcia being called up from AA by the Royals. The KC prospect has played shortstop in the minors, but could fill in for Witt while he's out. Garcia isn't much of a hitter, but is 27 for 30 on stolen bases already this year. So if he's playing regularly, he could be a source of cheap speed. Though probably short term, and I would wait to see usage before I act. Jeff McNeil headed to the paternity list, so he'll be away from the Mets for a few days. That's a pretty nice way to celebrate making the all-star team as well. And finally, Atlanta traded for Robinson Cano, acquiring him from San Diego for cash considerations. It seems sort of ridiculous to still be talking about Cano, but he's been hitting in AAA, so maybe he can still provide some value. I'm not holding out hope though. On to the game action from Sunday. Austin Riley snubbed from the all-star game, and it was definitely a snub. He's been excellent. But he also went three for six with a home run, three RBIs, and five hard hit balls in this one. Dansby Swanson also had three hits, including a double. Both of them have just been excellent for the ATL. Wilmer Flores had a day going four for six, two home runs, two runs, four RBIs. He was facing Mackenzie Gore, and he is just a must start against left-handed pitching. Carlos Santana also had a pair of home runs. He has been on fire since coming to Seattle. And while the average is never pretty, he is a good source of cheap power and a really nice bat in OBP leagues. Josh Lowe has had a rough go for the Rays so far, but he was two for four with a home run and RBI and two runs on Sunday. Over his last four starts, he's five for 18 with a walk and three extra base hits and has only three strikeouts over that time as well. That's big progress for him. I still think he's going to be a productive hitter and buying it at the right time can be very profitable. It may be that that time is now. As of May 29th, Max Stassi was having a very solid season by catcher standards. And that day he had his fourth home run in what had only been 94 plate appearances that point. He then went another 100 plate appearances before finally hitting another home run on Sunday. He still has talent and he could be a very useful fantasy catcher. So if he gets hot and you need help at catcher, maybe you lost James McCann or Mitch Garver or just have a bad catcher like so many of us do, you could do worse than riding a Max Stassi hot streak. Billy Hamilton has played in seven games, had five plate appearances, and has stolen three bases for the Marlins in that time. It seems sort of crazy to say, but if you're desperate for stolen bases, he will provide them, it seems, even if it's literally nothing else, not even at bats. A much better source of stolen bases, of course, is John Birdie, who stole his 27th in that one. Brian Hayes has not had the breakout season many called for, me included, but he's three for four with a double and a home run on Sunday, walked and scored three runs as well. He's been running, so he's been a useful fantasy piece, but getting the bat going would do wonders. Byron Buxton continued a bit of an odd season, going one for four with a home run, struck out twice, and walked once. That walk is a big deal as his lack of walks has left him with a sub-300 OBP to go along with his 550 slugging percentage. He's just kind of all or nothing right now, and a few more walks would really help him balance that out. Cubs keep getting production from unexpected places. Sunday, it was home runs from PJ Higgins, Nelson Velasquez, and David Bodie. Velasquez has 60 raw power and was flashing at double A before being moved up, but he also has big K rates, and I don't think it's likely he's going to provide a lot of value. Bodie stole a base as well, but don't expect him to be much more than bench fodder in deeper leagues. 
a quick look, actually not that quick, a little bit of a long look at other home runs around baseball. Monty Harrison hit his first home run since 2020. Jonathan India trying to right the ship with his season, hit his third. Mike Moustakas his fourth. Tyler Stevenson just back from the IL hit his sixth, and he could be a really valuable fantasy catcher. Randy Arozarena hit his 10th. He also doubled in that one. Rays catcher Rene Pinto hit his second. Gavin Sheets hit his seventh. Javier Baez hit his ninth. Andrew McCutcheon hit his eighth, and it was off of David Bednar, which is pretty impressive. O'Neill Cruz hit his fourth. Dan Vogelbach hit his 12th. Albert Pools recaptured some of his glory days going three for four with a home run. Kyle Schwarber hit his 28th. Corey Seager his 19th. Vimeo Machin was leading off for Oakland Sunday and hit his first career home run. Kyle Tucker hit his 17th of the season. Ketel Marte hit his 6th, and a couple of my teams are going to need him to improve on that quickly. Freddie Freeman, 4 for 5 with his 11th home run. Tyro Estrada hit his 7th. George Springer hit his 17th. Rhyme Alatapia hit his 4th. Bo Bichette is 14th. And in true Yankees-Red Sox fashion, they ended the weekend with a homer barrage. Giancarlo Stanton hit number 22. Matt Carpenter, number 10. Franchi Cordero, his 4th. Christian Vasquez is 5th. And J.D. Martinez hit his ninth. Not nearly as many stolen bases. Victor Robles stole his ninth. Michael Harris his seventh. Jose Ramirez stole number 13. Kyle Isbell number four. Jonathan Davis his fourth for Milwaukee. Matt Veerling nabbed number three. Sky Bolt bolted to his second. Alenmis Diaz got his first. Trey Turner stole his 17th. And Dylan Moore got number 11. Looking at the mound, there was a super fun matchup in Cincinnati, and it just didn't really pan out. Shane Boz lasted just two and a third, giving up seven runs on eight hits, including three home runs. He struck out two, and I guess you could call zero walks a positive, but those are some awfully rose-colored glasses if that's how you're looking at this one. Doesn't change my perception of Boz. If it changes the perception of someone in your league and you can buy low, I would do it. Opposite him, Nick Lodolo went five and gave up three runs on nine hits. He did have six Ks and just one walk. I'm a big believer in him as well. Sandy Alcantara and Taiwan Walker don't seem like they belong in the same category, but they were on Sunday and kind of have been lately. Alcantara went seven shutouts, striking out four and walking one, allowing six hits, while Walker went seven shutout with seven strikeouts, one walk, and three hits. Sandy, we expect this from, but Walker really seems to have figured something out, and this has been a very impressive run for him. Ian Anderson's start, I guess you'd say it's open to interpretation. Five and a third's innings pitch with just two runs on two hits and five strikeouts all seems good, but he walked four. He had more whiffs than any other pitcher Sunday, but it was only 14, which is a lot, but not typical leader for the day kind of numbers. His velocity was up a little and his spin rate, particularly on his curve, was up as well. But his curve also had zero whiffs and an 18% CSW, so that extra spin didn't really help, it seems. Interestingly, Anderson, who's been throwing 47% four-seamers and 33% change-ups this year, was at 40% change-ups and 36% four-seamers Sunday. Given that his change has been better than his fastball all year, this could be a positive development. Paulo Espino pitched well for the Nats going four innings pitched four strikeouts allowing just one run on six hits with a walk that might convince you to look up his season line and see a 3.42 ERA and 4.20 FIP and think maybe there's something there but his speedo's thrown about half his innings as a reliever and his rates as a reliever aren't great for a reliever and his rates as a starter aren't great for a starter so I don't think there's anything to see here Zach Plesak matched Ian Anderson's 14 whiffs but his line wasn't very good four runs three of them earned over five innings pitched he allowed six hits and a walk striking out five but I would consider buying in on Plesak at least for good matchups. He actually pitched pretty well in this one. His velocity was up, and he just had some brutal luck. He gave up three runs in the fifth, and only one ball that inning was hit over 70 miles per hour. The Royals just kept reaching base on awful contact. Opposite him, Zach Greinke matched a season high with five strikeouts Sunday, shutting out the Guardians for five innings on three hits and a walk. Greinke more innings eater than ace these days, and this start shouldn't change that. 
but when he has good matchups, especially at home at a good pitcher's park, he can be useful for your rates. There's just no K upside, which makes him risky. There were already concerns about Michael Kopech pitching through injury as he struggled lately, and then his velocity was down almost three miles per hour Sunday. Despite that, he lasted 82 pitches. We've seen teams pull starting pitchers quickly amid velocity drops, so this was a bit surprising. Kopech wasn't bad. Five and a third innings, just two runs and four hits, but four strikeouts is a bit low for him, and three walks is a real concern. Even when he was pitching well earlier in the year, Kopech was surviving thanks to a low, in fact, a zero home run per fly ball rate. He was probably a sell high a month or so ago, and I'm not sure what he'll really bring in a trade now. You have to wonder if an IL stint is coming. A couple guys I don't really trust looked good in Oakland Sunday. Jake Odorizzi, seven shutout, giving up four hits and a walk, striking out seven and lowering his ERA to 3.38 on the year. Cole Irvin lowered his ERA to 3.32 with two runs over six innings pitch, giving up Five hits and no walks with just two strikeouts. Odorizzi is at best a matchup play and really not my first choice even at that, even with the A's coming up again. Irvin has the Astros again, and I am certainly not betting on him to repeat, especially with just two Ks. Herman Marquez and Tyler Gilbert both pitched well on the surface, but Marquez shutting down the D-backs while Gilbert shuts down the Rockies in a game that wasn't at Coors, that there's just not a ton to build on there, especially given they combined for just five strikeouts in 12 and two-thirds innings. I just don't really see where you use either of them much, if at all. Julio Urias just didn't have it Sunday. He gave up five runs all in the first inning, only lasted two innings. He struck out three and walked one, but just couldn't keep it together. Eight whiffs and 59 pitches actually isn't bad, nor is a 29% CSW, so I think you just write this off and expect to bounce back. Alex Wood had a 5.05 ERA through June 23rd. He's got that down to 4.43 now, just three starts later, after going seven shutout against the Padres. He struck out eight and walked one in this one, allowing three hits. Wood is capable of putting up some great starts, and I would ride the hot streak while you can. Mackenzie Gore's velocity was down below 94, and that is the fifth straight start that's happened, and it showed here. He got lit up for eight runs and three and a third. He might need like an IL stint, a trip to the pen, maybe some time in AAA to try to get right, but he is not right right now. In a tough matchup, Logan Gilbert held his own, striking out seven and walking none over six, giving up four runs and nine hits, including a couple home runs. He's good. He just isn't matchup proof, and the Jays are a tough one. Jamison Tyone and Nick Pavetta both got hit hard. I don't love either. Tyone has really struggled lately, but these were tough matchups and shouldn't massively change your view on either of them. In the bullpens, Alexis Diaz got the ninth for the Reds in a five-run game. It was a non-save situation, but given the Reds' struggles, you gotta wonder if they didn't go to the guy they think of as their closer trying to shut this one down. He provides plenty of strikeouts, and if he controlled the walks, he could be really interesting. Tanner Scott got a save in the 10th for the Marlins. Two strikeouts and a walk. It was his 12th save. Edwin Diaz kept that game tied in the ninth for the Mets, but the Mets never managed to plate a run. Kendall Graveman threw a scoreless eighth in a tie game, and then the Sox scored twice in the bottom of the eighth that allowed Liam Hendricks to go 1-2-3 on nine pitches for his 17th save on the year. Hendricks was off the IL recently, and his velocity was down when he first came back, but he never had a rehab assignment, and Sunday his velocity was right back where you'd expect it, so I think all systems go moving forward. David Bednar in to hold a four-run lead when he gave up the two-run run shot to McCutcheon. No save, but he did close it out. Bender's velocity was down a bit, but he was working his second straight in his third time in four days. I'm really not sure why they used him up four in this one. Ryan Helsley got his seventh save in a perfect ninth. Jordan Hicks took the eighth and struck out one in a 1-2-3 inning. Sir Anthony Dominguez took a loss on Sunday, giving up a run in the eighth, not helping his cause if he wants to close. 
Tyler Duffy got his second save for the Twins. The Twins have only completed three saves since June 14th, and they've gone to three different pitchers. Your guess is as good as mine. Daniel Bard back in the ninth for Colorado for his 18th save. Alex Colome got the hold in the eighth. Rooster Gratterall got his third save of the year, did so getting six outs. This is not a changing of the guard, though. Dave Roberts said before the game that Evan Phillips and Craig Kimbrell were unavailable. After Urias spotted the Cubs five and Phil Bickford gave up three more, the Dodgers got six innings of one-run ball from Yancey Almonte, Caleb Ferguson, Alex Vessia, David Price, and Gratterall to lock down a comeback win. Adam Simber has pitched well this year, but gave up a couple of runs in the eighth to blow the save for the Jays. Those couple of runs came courtesy of a Gabriel Moreno error and the second Carlos Santana home run. That allowed the M's to get the win, which meant that Paul Sewald came in to lock down his 10th save and the sweep for the Mariners. Let's take a look at the weather with our friend Mark Paquette. Thank you very much. Well, the quiet weather will continue across the country on a short slate for Monday. Well, it's a normal slate from Monday, but short for a normal day. Yeah, there will be no rain issues, so go ahead and play away, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks, Mark. Looking at Monday's action, I mentioned Lynch and Fayetto earlier as desperation plays and that same doubleheader, a decent streaming option in Michael Pineda. He's in a park that doesn't give up a lot of home runs and against a weak lineup, not a bad place to use him. Oakland and Texas, not great offenses, but there are some decent bats in those two teams, and the starting pitchers in that one are not great, so I'd look to use my bats from both of those teams. In terms of what I'm watching on this Monday, there's some great pitching matchups, Max Fried and Max Scherzer, Aaron Nola and Miles Michaelis, but what I really want to look at is Trevor Rogers trying to get his season pointed in the right direction. There have been some positive signs lately. I'm curious to see what he can do on Monday. By the way, as you're setting your weekly lineup, some things to keep note of. The Padres have four games in cores this week. The Pirates have three three games in cores, and the Rockies are therefore, of course, home all week. The Reds are on the road all week, though half of those are in Yankee Stadium, which will help ease the pain of not having those great American ballpark games. Lastly, the Rangers and Angels lead all of baseball and stolen bases allowed. The Rangers are hosting Oakland and Seattle, while the Angels have Houston and the Dodgers. Those teams are teams you'll want to look at for speed if you're looking to add some stolen bases this week. Don't forget to go check out the SP Roundup, Batters Box, and Reliever Ranks. Turn you over to the rest of the team for the week, and I'll be back with you on Friday. This has been the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, rate us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at PitcherList, and help support what we do by joining our Discord with PitcherList Plus at PitcherList.com slash plus.